Drop what you're doing, swallow what you're chewing, because it ain't wet from sweat, and we ain't done yet. Welcome to Inner Idiot Podcast, where we just want to brighten up your days and, you know, touch your insides. And when I say touch your insides, I mean your, your heart, because we just want to make you laugh and smile. We want to touch people. your days in inappropriate ways. That's right. <laughs> I am the big, the bald, the beautiful, the brash, the bumbling, and the oftentimes bastardly MC Tyler Havlin. And I talk slow, and I walk slower, because that's just how I roll, people. Two claps and a Ric Flair. Next up, you hear his voice. He is the Lord that's never bored, the commander of the comic books. Um, he's got his, he ain't taking his shirt I'll off do yet, it, I but guess. when he does, it'll make your I'll aunt, freeze my tits off. It'll make your Aunt Esther wet. Two claps and Ric Flair for Lord Shorty Fresh in the flesh. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> All right, next up is like our very own Captain Planet. Okay, because I have. Of background in martial arts and you shorty have a background in theater so with those powers combined <laughs> we bring to you miss Brittany donahue two claps and a rick flair <laughs> Woo! Woo! <laughs> and she woos it's perfect <laughs> what's going on guys not much tell tell everybody a little bit about what you what you do because i done said you are captain planet and uh when you first reached out i was like man this is a really cool thing that i've never heard of <laughs> yeah sure thing so uh hey y'all uh my name is Brittany holdall donahue so i got the scandinavian and the irish going on um and uh i am the executive director and co-founder of argent combat we're a philly-based organization and school of professionals and students of stage combat and theatrical violence. So if you've seen a fall down some stairs, a sword fight, um, even just a slap on the face in any media production, uh, we're usually the type of folks that are behind it. So we make that action happen for you. You had me at violence. <laughs> yeah, man. The, like the way that I just like, it, it's so funny because we're all like, we're definitely the jocks of the theater world, you know, but we're all wholesome. Like if anybody's seen the Barbie movie, we are Kenuff. Um, so like we are super welcoming. Oh, uh, friendship through violence, um, or at least theatrical violence. Uh, cause it's, we're not actually hurting each other. Cause you know, we got to get up every day and do it on stage once a day and twice on Saturday. So we got to make sure that uh, our money makers are looking good and, uh, we're not actually hurting anybody. <laughs> now, see, it's weird because you're in the you're in the field of violence in theater. So in theater, your money makers your face. But see, you're in violent theater. So is it your hands and your face, or primarily your hands? <laughs> a little bit of both. Uh, you know, when it comes to casting, um, you send in a headshot. It's a shot of your head. So right. you know, you gotta convey that narrative clarity of like who you are, what kind of character you can play. Um, mm -hmm. And we got to keep ourselves looking pristine. Um, I mean, not just the, you know, for aesthetic reasons, but also function. Like we got to stay healthy in mm -hmm. order to keep doing what we do every day and providing action oriented entertainment. See, that's, that's really neat. Um, do you guys put on shows through the school regularly? So it's kind of interesting because we run a school. So we're teaching performers and enthusiasts how to do the things that we do. Um, and a lot of folks often ask us, you know, is the violence real? Are the weapons real? And in some ways we can say 
technically yes um but there are some augmentations uh the best way that i can describe stage combat is it's more magic tricks than it is martial arts because we got to tell that story we got to convey to the audience that you know oh this dude just got punched by this dude um but we're not actually punching that dude you know um so it's it's kind of interesting in that a lot of the aesthetics of the movement are martial arts but the actual conveyance of those movements the actual functionality is more sleight of hand and prestidigitation so in some ways we're kind of like magicians and martial artists yeah because you're not only you're not only learning how to fake throw a punch you're learning how to fake take a punch exactly yeah um and there are a lot of mechanisms to that um one of my favorites when i tell folks and it kind of blows their mind is what we call the nap which is a sound folly that can be done on stage uh we're east coast so we're a bit more theater leaning than we are film leaning like you would be in la and on the west coast sure yeah so a lot of the things that we do are actually live um there are a lot of different percussive parts of the body um right. my favorites are kind of that gap in between where the collarbone and the pectorals meet mm -hmm. yeah for example um you know so if i were to throw a punch right yeah that travels that tells the story gotcha um, gotcha gotcha yeah so the way i kind of explain stage combat to folks is like yeah you know how of course the script tells a story the costuming tells a story. Right. The set tells a story. Stage combat also contributes to that narrative clarity. It tells mm -hmm. a story. Um, yeah. So yeah. I mean, you see, if you pay attention to credits, you notice how you have like a stunt coordinator and, you know, fighting coordinator, and you have a laundry list of people to, like set to help produce that singular, you know, scene, you know, if mm -hmm. it is just one. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it's really interesting, too, because you mentioned stunts. And it's it's kind of an interesting thing talking to folks that are like, oh, so you're a stunt actor. And it's like, uh, yeah, no. Um, so stunts, stunts and stage combat are similar but different. Like, the, the best way I can kind of try to describe them is their cousins and their friendly cousins, where some stunt actors do stage combat, some stage combat actor combatants do stunts stunts is kind of more in the realm of pyrotechnics fire sure um and i and, assume you know, individual like there is nobody mm -hmm. else in in the scene it's just somebody reacting to either the environment or uh set exactly mm -hmm. yeah like the the big difference between stunts and stage combat is not just, you know, the techniques and safety protocol that we mm -hmm. all adhere to, sure. but also just different parental organizations. Uh, for example, myself and my husband, Oliver, we founded Argent Combat. We're mm -hmm. a stage combat and theatrical violence organization. And our parental organization is here in the States, the Society of American Fight Directors. And Oliver and one of our lovely senior demo assistants who's on the track to become a teacher himself, uh, Steve, um, are both certified under the organization Fight Directors Canada. So we can teach throughout North America, which is really neat. Right. Um, 
so those are our parental organizations and then stunts have a different parental organization but those organizations are kind of siblings in a way sure and we're just kind of like cousins right is really how it goes and we just kind of mesh with everything that we're doing like stunt actors you know can learn stage combat which is a bit more focused on actual that prestidigitation and martial mm-hmm. arts that i was talking about but we can also delve as actor combatants into pyrotechnics and high falls and stuff like that that right. stunt performers learn yeah um yeah, so it's kind of a, a mishmash, and uh, family reunions are really cool in that regard. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, I'm here for yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're here to make family reunions fun. <laughs> we are. <laughs> All right, so we're going to jump into today's top five, and in honor of you, today's top five is um, top five fight scenes in movies, and Brittany, we're going to let you kick us off with it. Oh, hell yeah. And if you guys don't mind, I'm pulling up my phone because uh, Oliver and I, um, Oliver, who can't be with us today because he's busy doing choreography for an action show right now. Awesome. <laughs> um, Good to know but... he's working. <laughs> all right. So I'll, stop with, I'll start with number five. Um, and all these movies that I'm talking about right now are focusing on one of the eight st- uh, stage combat disciplines that we're teaching right now. Um, we're going to be starting up a small sort of class in October here in Philly. And uh, the response has been great, like to the point where we might have to actually open a second class. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're already oversold. Uh, we're trying to figure out what to do. Uh, so it's, it's that, a good problem yeah. to have. Yeah, <laughs> definitely a good problem to have. Yeah. Um, but when I say small sword, I'm meaning like, Three Musketeers, we're talking Tyrone Powell, we're talking Errol Flynn, we're talking Basil Rathbone, we're talking um, not so much Swashbuckling, that's more single sword, but these are just like, small sword is the weapon when you want to have witty comebacks and like backhanded compliments, like, ha send my regards to your mother. Um, oh, okay, it's... Yeah, so these are gotcha, like... Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. It's it's posh and Philly's definitely even though Philly is very gritty. I mean, we literally have a mascot called Gritty. Um, it is Philly very posh. Is, yeah, Philly is a small sword town, uh, thanks to Fightmaster Ian Rose, who is, uh, in essence, he's sword dad here in Philadelphia. Um, he's the reason why Oliver and I met. Uh, we were both taking his class. Um, but yeah, I'll start with. Um, I'm probably going to take some heat for this one. But um, this is what I wish all of the Game of Thrones fights were. Because the GOT fights, there are only two that were genuinely pretty solid. Because um, the rest of it is just kind of, oh, man, I don't want to call it a mess. But it's definitely a thing where it's like, oh, you guys could do better. Like, you had the funding for it. You had the budget for it. But um, this first fight, if you want that visceral like these guys are gonna die you know (laughs) these two actors are endowing these theatrical blades with that fear and that danger of we're gonna die we're falling apart um that is the four musketeers from 1974 and it's a fight between d'artagnan and rockford and it's michael york and christopher lee as rockford yeah yeah it's so goddamn good. Um, that movie is good. I thought there was I mean, only three musketeers. Well, we, 
you know, uh, Alexander Dumas <laughs> did his thing. Um, but yeah, um, in the Four Musketeers, um, it, it's an incredible fight. If you folks get a chance to check it out, um, it's 1974, so it's getting close to public domain at this point. Um, we managed to watch <laughs> the scene on YouTube. Um, so definitely check it out. And it's beautiful. Like, York and Lee are just absolutely killing each other. And the aesthetics are top-notch. Like, the cinematography is beautiful. There's a moment where they are fighting in a cathedral, and you can see the light shining through the stained-glass rose window, like, creating a rainbow reflection circle on the ground, and they're fighting in it. And it's just, like, there's no... It's aesthetic without even trying. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just so dramatic. It's so beautiful. Definitely check that one out because York and Lee are absolutely killing each other in that one. Um, and I mean, the just the, the fencing and the blades, like the craftsmanship of the blades themselves are fantastic. Everything right. is just like chef's kiss. So <laughs> that's number five. That's the bottom of my list. So hopefully that's a precursor to like all the awesomeness that's coming ahead. Um, my number four and Oliver's number four too, because we like, we're definitely like soul searching. Like we got to talk about sword fights. We got to find the best sword fights to talk about on this show. <laughs> um, but uh, the next one, number four is the Scarlet Pimpernel from 1982. And that is Anthony Andrews and Sir Ian McKellen. So thinking of a young Ian McKellen and uh, I know who that is. Yeah, you know Patrick Stewart's best friend. They're buddies. <laughs> I don't know if I've seen this one. It definitely check it out. It's amazing. Um, it's the Blankley versus uh, Chevalier fight, and man, like if you're talking snappy comebacks, witticisms, really good backhanded compliments, aesthetic really strong fencing like there is a beautiful actual fandango mm -hmm. in this and a point where you know not to give any spoilers and sorry for the pun but a point um a point <laughs> where there is a point of a sword literally right in sir ian mckellen's face like right here just getting ready to you know up in his chin um <laughs> beautiful uh gorgeous fight and absolutely worth it like if you're a person that's questioning if you want to get into sword fighting that's a fight to watch because it will lean you hard into the oh yeah this is the thing i want to do this is really cool um another get, one getting oh, into yeah. sword fighting sounds fun but swords getting into me doesn't <laughs> exactly yeah the, the fight should be in you not the sword yeah. um that's kind of our whole thing with stage combat <laughs> Um, if it's oh, man, in you, you uh, need to do a better job. Exactly. Like if, if it winds up, you know, like it, it's a, I, I always have a joke of like, yeah, you know, the, the best way to a person's heart is, uh, in between the fourth and fifth rib. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but you know, we don't actually want to do that. Um, <laughs> um, so number three on this list, which is mid, but also incredible. Um, also in the public domain. So you can watch the whole thing on YouTube, I managed to find it, is the 1940 production of The Mask of Zorro. And, uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's Tyrone Power and Basil Rathbone fighting um, as Diego de la Vega and Captain Esteban Pascal. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, man. Like, you can tell 
No, oh, we're losing you again, Brittany. Just like the precision and the the intensity that these two had. And I, oh, chef's kiss. Again, like incredible fight. Incredible fight. And you could just watch it. You could watch the entire movie. Um, it was actually one of the assignments that we had for our students last semester for uh, Single Sword. Um, it was just like, here are three different productions of The Mask of Zorro that are available online. And they're incredible. They're absolutely incredible. Um, like there, I mean, there is that bit in The Mask of Zorro 1940 where um, uh, Diego just like slashes a candle and mm -hmm. the Capitan is just like, ha ha ha, you missed. And um, the candle just like slides off its stem. Yeah. Um, just, I mean, that's more like a, a property is like a, a prop effect, but like it's still really good um, yeah. for setting up that mood. Like it's a vibe. The 1940s <laughs> Mask of Zorro is a vibe. <laughs> your, your movies that you're naming off is, is making me realize I was born with the wrong name because these people have some really nice names. Like how do I get a name like Rathbone? That's what I want to know. <laughs> Errol Flynn. Um, kind of a funny thing. Um, if you're ever watching a movie that has sword fighting, um, based off of Errol Flynn, we have this phrase called flinning, where you'll see a person parry three and then repost one. Three, one, three, one, three, one. And they're doing that in the background, and we call that flinning. Um, so thank you, Errol Flynn for that. Um, you know, just giving something fun to do for background. Yeah, your actors. name has to be so popular. They call pe things like Havling. Yeah, exactly. We're going to get there one day. Don't worry. We got this. Yeah. It can't be contracting an STD though. All right. Oh, <laughs> um, it can be practicing oh, though. Jesus. All right. So number two, um, I'm not sure if you folks have heard of this one, uh, but it's called Le Bossu, and it's from 1997. It's got Danielle Autoy and uh, Vincent Perez. The English translation is, it, it was re-released in English as uh, On Guard. And there is a fight between the character Le Gardere, played by Danielle Autoy, and Philippe de Nevers, who was a duke. Um, and it's, I mean, A, the story is really great. Um, except for like the last bit, I don't want to disclose too much because of spoilers, because I'm like, oh, that's kind of creepy. Um, but it was really hard to pick just one sword fight in this film. That was really good. But ultimately Oliver and I were talking, we we're like, oh yeah, we got to do the, you became en enemy, you were enemies and then became friends from this sword fight mm -hmm. fight. Um, and Philippe de Nevers, the Duke, actually taught uh, Le Gardere, who is Le Bossu, um, his instant kill move. And it's fabulous. It's gorgeous. It's precise. And they clearly did their research into actual 18th century fencing. Mm -hmm. um, so if you get a chance, check out Le Bossu or the released English version on guard um incredible movie um just again another chef's kiss well props to you for being able to say all these names and words <laughs> because to me that sounded like an italian dessert so <laughs> oh, weird it's french it's, it's french <laughs> french dessert Italian. god you uncultured swine <laughs> you know it's well, luigi no, I mean, 
in in your defense in your defense um a lot of the fencing techniques or um like they're they're based in hema which is historic european martial arts um of course we have pulled from um eastern uh you know and uh pan-asian um and we are starting to get more into hama which is historic african martial arts which is really awesome especially for spear work um but you know a lot of these phrases that we say and that like compile our glossary of terminology for stage combat come from the romantic languages like french and italian and spanish because some of the at least most noted historically fencers were from those nations um and of course german too when you get a bit more into um broadsword or longsword um because that's a little bit more aggressive i you know it's a it's a thing it's a vibe <laughs> but yeah a, a lot of um longsword broadsword terminology comes from uh germanic languages mm -hmm. um but yeah when it comes to um the disciplines that we teach like small sword right now uh rapier and dagger um even single sword a lot of those come from the romantic languages so mm -hmm. very french very spanish very italian leaning um so uh you're not you're not totally off it's it's vaguely european is kind of the the whole encapsulation of like a lot of the vocabulary that we use in our classes um but uh but yeah le bossu is is french um and then uh oh god bringing it to number one um probably nobody's gonna be surprised by this one the princess bride i know the this one the fights in that are solid and it was really hard for us to pick between inigo montoya and the six-fingered man mm -hmm. or inigo montoya and the man in black right. uh, the pirate roberts like because both of those fights are genuinely so good um but ultimately we were like okay when it comes to that old hollywood swashbuckling vibe we gotta go with inigo montoya and uh the man in black or mm -hmm. the dread pirate roberts because mm -hmm. that has all of the um chivalry it has the gentlemanly nature of small sword of like oh you seem a decent fellow yes i hate to kill you um <laughs> you know just that kind of vibe um when it comes to small sword uh so we ultimately went with that one you know but admittedly yeah. i did not see princess bride for the first time until i was in my 30s a couple years ago. Honestly, don't feel bad about that because The Princess Bride is one of those films where you can appreciate it at any age. Um, one of uh, one of my husband's party tricks is that he can recite the entire script of The Princess Bride from start to finish. Nice. That's without a taking a party a trick. Yeah, like it was just like a core memory defining moment for him. Um, it takes a <laughs> solid hour and 15 minutes to do that trick. <laughs> yeah, but but he can do it. Yeah. And, you know, um, he's like really entertained our younger cousins and stuff mm -hmm. like that by just like, we'll put on the movie and he will just face them and like, you know, act everything out. Right. Um, and that is one of the reasons why I have a massive crush on my husband, which is great. <laughs> I love that for me. <laughs> All right, before we move on with this top five and me and Shorty give you ours, we are going to take a little pause for the cause. And uh, it, it looks like the Facebook Live didn't work today. That's okay. You can catch this episode uh, in a couple weeks on Spotify, but we'll be right back.
And we're back with Brittany Donahue from Argent. Say the name again. Oh, I'm going to butcher Argent it. Combat. Argent Combat. <laughs> and my lovely co-host, Shorty. And Shorty, you're going to kick us off with your version of our top five today, right now. So I was... I was unaware of the short sword thing, so I just picked up favorite fights. And to be truth be told, I was unaware of what the top five was because I'm really bad at this. <laughs> so he was like, you got your top five ready? I said, ah, uh, what's the top five? He's like, top five favorite fights from movies. I was like, yeah, you got it. I'll figure it out. Yeah, Dude, don't feel bad. Like, Oliver and I were struggling. We had to spend, like, five hours last night just re-watching movies of, like, oh, yeah, this is the one. <laughs> Yeah, looking up clips like, yeah, this this movie has a fight in it. Let's look it up. Nah, screw that fight. No. Um, so one of my favorite scenes as far as fighting goes is probably uh, Fight Club at the very end when you realize he's fighting himself. And it mm -hmm. shows him in the parking lot punching the hell out of his stomach, his face and everything like that. I just think that's really neat and super well done. Yo, I, I am so glad you brought up Fight Club because there are some really solid things in there, especially with the fighting oneself, mm -hmm. because that was something a lot of folks in our field were really struggling with in 2020, because we couldn't teach stage combat in person. Yeah. Um, and it's like, okay, well, how do we instruct folks when it comes to theatrical violence if they're living alone? You right. know, um, how do we do that safely? And one of the things I really love about stage combat is we refer to we don't refer to like victim or assailant um like yeah the, fighter one like, and fighter two yeah like you know because they they kind of have negative connotations and they're kind of misleading because the thing is we refer to it as the operator and the receiver Sure. So the operator is the person that enacts the action mm -hmm. and the receiver is the recipient, the person mm -hmm. that receives it. And one of the big rules is the recipient is in control. And Fight Club is fascinating because it is an exploration of the recipient is in control. Right. Um, especially with Edward Norton's self-fight scenes. Yeah. yeah. And the acid burn scene too, because you can tell that Edward is... He's the one controlling the action and right. the operator, Brad Pitt, mm -hmm. is the one that's kind of guiding where the trajectory is. Mm -hmm. And that's a lot of stage combat. Yeah. Um, yeah. So super awesome that you mentioned Fight Club. Yeah. Um, yeah. Perfect. <laughs> uh, these are in no particular order because I didn't have time to put, one, put them down. But uh, the next one was going to be Princess Bride. And it was going to be the first major fight of the whole movie versus Inigo Montoya and the Man in Black. Hell yeah. It's I, a good fight. I mean, I it's love that whole fight. thing. I mean, especially the whole bit when they're sitting there going at it. Like, oh, by the way, I am not left handed. And they switch everything like that. Like that. This shit cracks me up. I love it. It's so good. It's so old school Hollywood. It's mm -hmm. so good. It's such a good fight. <laughs> Man, uh, you know, in true Tyler fashion, like mine are not this deep. No, it's not. <laughs> I like the way that fucker died. Um, <laughs> Deaths are cool. Deaths are interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm um, here for it. Yeah. Uh, number three, honestly, like I know you said something about Game of Thrones, but as somebody who has enjoyed uh, 
old warfare and medieval warfare specifically, Game of Thrones, the Battle of the Bastards, nailed what old school and medieval warfare would have looked like from an individual's point of view. The That's pure chaos and everything going on and the di like I know a lot of people and a lot of my friends who are really in the show hated that fight because they were like, oh, no, that part was really cool, but I hated the way the fight was shot. I'm like, what do you mean? Oh, it was too chaotic. I didn't know what was going on. I'm like, as an infantryman in the Middle Ages and you were in the middle of that, like most armies didn't actually do it that way. But when they came together and collided, you had no idea who was friend or foe. It was you know, straight I'm, dissonance. I'm glad that you brought that up because I think my complaint about Game of Thrones and it's a thing that Oliver and I were talking about last night with Game of Thrones. Um, I mean, we, we got a couple of things like, like there, there are some theatrical blades that they got. It's like, it shouldn't be flopping around like a fly swatter guys. Like sure. you got it in your budget to get yeah. a good score. Like, come on. Um, you know, uh, but I think, and you just sparked this for me. The battle of the bastards is good for, for those elements, just mm -hmm. the absolute chaos. But the problem was, I feel the producers saw how good that was and applied it to every fight, even the one-on-ones like the one between Brienne of Tarth and the Hound. It's a good fight. It's a good fight. Sure. But the thing is, the narrative clarity gets lost because they kind of delved into that aesthetic of... Mm -hmm. The way that I described it to Oliver is like, you know those um, stroke simulation images that are AI-generated yeah. where you look at it and you can't pinpoint one thing mm -hmm. that's in that horde in that room? That's the aesthetic they were going for with every fight. Mm -hmm. And when it really it, sad. it only needed to be applied for big armies, not exactly. individuals and stuff like that. Like that is an interesting narrative tool for big melees like mm -hmm. that. That's awesome. But the problem was that they were applying it to one-on-one -on -one combat. And it's like, well, who there was one point where Brand of Tarth grabbed a rock and somebody got hit in the head with a rock. And I know Brienne grabbed the rock, but I feel like she's the one on the ground that got smashed in the face with a rock. Like what, what's going on here? Right. Um, so that's where they kind of lost it. Mm -hmm. But that applied to grand melees, like the battle of the bastards mm -hmm. that actually works. There's narrative clarity and it really kind of, helps the audience experience that visceral nature of being in a grand melee. Um, so yeah, that's a good fight. Yeah. That's a good one. Uh, let's see. <sighs> Number was this four, right? Mm -hmm. That was four. Yeah. That was four. Yeah. You're on three. I think. Oh, we're counting. You're counting down. Oh, that's right. You always <laughs> count up my bad. Yeah, I always count up. Uh, <laughs> Thought. Fingers and such. Yeah, fingers and shit. Um, number four would be the original Karate Kid, in all seriousness. Yeah. I mean, are you going with the crane? No, fuck that. That's stupid. But, like, the 
not necessarily the fighting in as itself, but the instruction of it. Like, yeah, he's because you see a lot of like fucking, um, I don't know, for lack of a better term, whitewashed karate movies. Like, they kind of like, oh, it's all this, that, and the other. But like, you actually bring in somebody who knows what the fuck they're doing, and they're like, no, I'm going to show you how to actually do this discipline. And they like go through everything like that, you know. You're it's, doing the wax on wax. I know, off I know, I here. know. And like, I mean, they do that in the fucking movie. You know what I'm saying? But like, yeah. showing how, I don't know. It to me, it was more of giving a um, understanding of discipline and respect, I guess, to it the gave it practicality. Yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's a majority of what we teach. Like one of the things is, Hey, you know, we're going to be doing cool stuff. We're going to be doing cool stuff with swords. You're going to look cool. But above all, the thing that really makes you look cool is your own confidence in your voice for consent, your mm -hmm. autonomy and agency. Right. And karate kid nails that. Yeah. Freaking nails that. Um, I'm so glad that you brought up karate kid because when Cobra Kai came out, <laughs> <laughs> oh no i've never we're seen just it. like dude this is a series that was made for our fight master ian rose and for him only <laughs> like <laughs> it's great it's great but you know it's just that level of understanding the discipline and the wisdom behind throwing your fists right um yeah so karate kid's a great call great call <laughs> my last one and probably my favorite one in recent memory is um the Witcher, in the very one of the very first uh, fights when he becomes the butcher of uh, Lavigan or whatever the name is of the city or town. Gotcha. And where he just like, I mean, you just see his. I don't know. To me, it's part of the like the nostalgia of the video games coming out as well. When you stab somebody in the face and then you just rip the sword straight up through their skull and you actually get to see that as form of a live action and not some shitty like PS2 graphics. Like I got to see somebody put millions of dollars into this once, you know, a skull splitting in half and brains going everywhere. I don't care if it's realistic. I don't want it to be realistic. I just want it to be badass. Yeah, that that's kind of one of the things that we struggle with because a part of it's like, so Oliver and I, like, we couldn't fully invest in The Witcher. Like, even though I love Henry Cavill, like, everything I've heard about the dude, he just becomes cooler. Like, he just seems like a really nice person. And he's a really talented actor. Mm -hmm. um, I love The Witcher aesthetic. Um, you know, the games are super awesome as well. Um but a lot of, you know, it's really interesting that you bring that up because I feel like a lot of action-oriented entertainment, mm -hmm. you know, especially nowadays, a lot of it is, I don't want to say pandering, but I can't think of a better word. Like, it is pandering to that nostalgia, like, oh, yeah, I need that serotonin. Um, you know, I, I need that adrenaline. Um, so, like, I, I personally couldn't get super into The Witcher, Um so I, you know, I'm prompted to give it a shot, um, especially when it comes to like skull crushing. Like I, myself and a really dear colleague of ours, who's a fight master of the SAFD, um, we want to host 
a workshop strictly about how to die on stage and film because it's it takes a lot of finessing mm -hmm. um commit so ex <laughs> commitment is one thing um but then also kind of girl yeah like and also like understanding you know um like if you get stabbed in the gut what happens is of course you know your insides become your outsides but the thing is a sack of acid in your body was just stabbed mm -hmm. and that acid is becoming the outsides and its job is to digest so your body when you're stabbed in the stomach starts to digest itself that's an incredibly painful way to go was um, uh, what's his yeah. name the guy who played uh zaron in uh lord of the rings you said his name earlier sir uh, oh, Ian McKellen. uh Ian christopher McKellen. lee christopher lee thank you yeah um, christopher lee and then uh, ian mckellen was gandalf yes yep. when uh he when they were filming one of the scenes and uh, Zaron had to stab Gandalf in the back, he was like, oh, I need you to make this sound. And he was like, no, that's not how it sounds. He's like, what do you mean? He's like, I have been stabbed in the back before. I know what it sounds like. We got to talk like, about Christopher Lee for he, a sec. He brings in like the practicality of like, listen, this is what it actually sounds like. Don't try so, to theatrically insinuate what it sounds like. This is what it is. Yeah, we got to talk about Christopher Lee for a second because that dude is the lowest key absolute badass. Oh, yeah. Um, like, that is one of my favorite stories, so I'm so glad you brought it up because holy crap, Christopher Lee. Um, I'll put it this way, and this is like a total summation of Christopher Lee as a person. Christopher Lee was not only friends with Tolkien mm -hmm. and Tolkien wrote Gandalf for Christopher Lee. Right. But Christopher Lee became Sauron. Yeah. Um, Christopher Lee was also friends with the author of James Bond. Yeah. And James Bond stories were inspired by the actual exploits of Christopher Lee, the person. Yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. The original yeah. stories were, yeah. Yeah. So Christopher Lee just big ups. And what's crazy was oh he was nothing but <laughs> highly regarded by like everybody that worked with him and spoke to him and everything like that. He was supposedly one of the most humble men in Hollywood. Like he never truly understood his fame. No. When they went through not. when they went through and did the um they did interviews for uh Lord of the Rings. And he was talking about, it. and of course, at this point in time, like it wasn't long after the return of the king that he passed away. But uh, mm -hmm. they did interviews, and like you can tell, he's way up there in age. And he was like, they were like, "How do you feel about this? You know, do you hope it goes well?" He's like, "Oh, I really don't mind. Like it's whatever. Like you know, this was a fun project. This was good. You know, great to see old friends, new friends, blah blah blah. It'll be heartbreaking to see everyone go after so long." He said, but I'm ready for retirement. You know, he just, like, he never understood it. Even watching earlier interviews from him, you know, way back in the day, he was just like, yeah, it's cool, I guess. Peter Jackson even said, he goes, he doesn't know how famous he is. He has no idea. Nope. Everyone's like, oh, hi. Oh, yeah. yeah. And he's like, good morning. How do all yeah, these people know my not name? Just, not just famous, but iconic. Yeah. Like, 
that he's just on a completely different tier. Um, kind of a dumb thing and a total segue. And Tyler, I really want to hear your top five, but real quick. Um, so Oliver and I are huge. We're cinephiles. Like we love movies. We love mm-hmm. performance. Um, but he and I are total goth kids at heart. I mean, I'm literally wearing a misfit shirt right now. Um, my birthday is two weeks before Halloween. So all of my birthdays were Halloween themed mm-hmm. growing up. Um, we love horror movies, specifically those golden age hammer films, the ones that got Peter Cushing, Vincent Price, and oh, Christopher yeah. Lee. Yeah. And yeah. those three gentlemen have birthdays literally days apart in May. So every May we dedicate each day of the month to watch a film that features those guys. Very nice. Um, the full trifecta, if all three of them are in the same film at once. Um, our first wedding anniversary is actually next month. Super oh, hyped okay. for that. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, I got to marry my crush. It's really awesome. Um, <laughs> Hopefully that's how it works for most people. Day. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we're going up towards uh, Jim Thorpe, which is a really nice, like, um, you know, Poconos Mountain area here mm-hmm. in Pennsylvania. And we're going to an old school vintage drive through that's doing a double feature of Vincent Price films. Oh, that's awesome. On on the day of our wedding anniversary. So that's dope. that is our anniversary plans. It's really fucking dope. Yeah. <laughs> I'm well, so excited. Ha- happy early anniversary. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I'm happy to spend it with you guys today. <laughs> Aw. Right, we'll, we'll be done here soon and you can get to the rest of it. <laughs> um, all right, I'm gonna jump into my top five because we are running short on time. Um, mm-hmm. So I'll preface this with saying because I, you know, I grew up in martial arts, it's hard for me to watch some stuff because I want to overanalyze it. And like, mm-hmm. ah, that can't happen. But there is some stuff that just grabs me. So if it's not a fantasy type setting, like some of the stuff you guys have talked about, it kind of like it's hard for me to watch. Even though I grew up on cheap martial arts, movies, Jean Claude Van Damme for for one, like that was like my guy when i was little and then you grow up and you realize the guy can't really fight and it kind of broke my heart um so number five on my list well let me start my honorable mentions matrix and john wick keanu reeves is is the man but those those fights are so out there that i i didn't have to analyze them because they're just way out there you're telling me right now you don't think a real person can dodge those bullets like that boo tyler i mean you have a better (laughs) chance of dodging bullets than me i'm a bigger target but yeah. the Matrix, like, it started a thing with the slow motion. and that. Oh, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. And and that was, I like that. That's fun for me. Okay, All right. Yo, but if you like John Wick, though, real quick, um, there's that one POV overhead fight in John Wick that's like a long shot. If you like that fight, you got to watch Four Musketeers because that is the whole fight between um anthony andrews and christopher lee in the four musketeers because they got like that overhead shot and like like beautiful of all the fights mentioned so far that is the only one that i wrote down to check out (laughs) so it was the four musketeers all right but number five on my list is equilibrium that whole movie so in equilibrium it's christian bale tay diggs a few other people that you look at and you're like hey i've seen that guy in a bunch of movies but you can't always pick it out um, mm-hmm. They do this thing called a gun kata. So it, it's kind of like John Wick before John Wick. But check it out. It's really neat. It's a gun martial arts. Super dope. Never heard of that movie. Never heard of Equilibrium? You nope. would like it. 
Um, it's like a um, futuristic. They're they're burning books. They don't want people to learn. It's kind of like a, a throwback to World War Two. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, Equilibrium's like kind of cyberpunk in the way that Matrix is, but like, I feel like they kind of had more room to play around with visual effects. Mm -hmm. So it's just like Matrix after a few drinks. Uh, Word. <laughs> it's really fun. Word. Equilibrium is really fun. <laughs> no, number four on my list is Ongbok, and uh, it's it's all Muay Thai. And it, it's just, I, I, I love Muay Thai. It's one of my favorite martial arts. It is, it's weirdly one of the easiest to do, but also one of the hardest to do. And they draw a lot from like everyday movements and you see it in the movie. And some of it is like explained in snippets, but the whole movie from, from opening credits to the end, it's just nonstop. And I love it. Number three is warrior. Now, last the, uh, it has Tom Hardy, Joel Egerton. It is a movie about MMA. However, these, oh, these fights would never actually happen. Okay, they're they're outlandish. They're crazy. Like, you're not going to take these shots and keep fighting. But each one of these fights tugged at my heartstrings and told a story. And I thoroughly cried at the end of this movie. Aww. All right? You big guy. And I usually don't like movies like like where the fighting is just so ridiculous, but it's made to be realistic. But this one, it got me next up on my list is gladiator because every fight in that made me cry. And, and, uh, Russell Crowe, he's a, he's a legend, right? And yeah, then gladiator's cool. Yeah. And number one is 300. It's got the slow motion. It's got the gore. It's got all the swords, people getting disemboweled and dismembered. I'm here for it. That comic book's really good. I've never seen the comic book. Oh, man. You got it. You've never read the comic book. <laughs> I've never read it. I've never seen it. Didn't know it existed. Really? Yeah. Till when? Like, now or Til like... just now. You're you're fucking with me. No. You serious? No. I'm sure How you got it somewhere in, the, in here. I know I have it. I don't know where it is at the moment, but I know I own it. Viva Vendetta was also a comic book. I knew that. I okay. love that movie. The Watchmen was also a comic book. I know that. Do we need to go over anything else? The Crow? No, I knew that oh, one. Oh, Brandon Lee. Oh, buddy. How did you not know that? I am astounded right now. I just didn't. Honestly, dude, like, the comic, as much as I love that movie, 300, they left out one of my key favorite lines from the movie which didn't make any sense because he was already narrating the fucking scene what's the line give fucking, me the line uh and the sky went black with arrows that came raining down like a thousand chirping birds and it's when the persians unleash the fucking volley of arrows at the fucking spartans and they fucking raise their shield and just take the fucking hit and they start laughing about it I like, thought that was in the movie. No, 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 no. They reworded the whole fucking oh. thing. And I don't know why they did. I don't either. It turned out good, though. That's all It I was know. great. It was a fantastic movie. But, like, when I was sitting there watching it, I'm like, they missed the golden opportunity. <laughs> why skip it? All right, Brittany, it has been wonderful having you on today. And we have reached our time. Give, give oh, everybody my... some parting words. Yeah, absolutely. Y'all, thank you so much for having me on. Um, I had a blast. Uh, if you want to talk more movies, uh, 
hell, just let me and Oliver know because uh, <laughs> we love talking action movies. Um, but yeah, if any folks want to follow us, if you're in the Philly area and you're interested in learning about stage combat and theatrical violence, uh, we're here to take you under our wing. Uh, we're Argent Combat. You can follow us on Facebook, um, Instagram, and God knows what it's called now, the Bird app. Uh, we'll just call it Twitter or X for now. The um, app formerly known as Twitter. Yeah, yeah, the the artist formerly known as Twitter. Um, but yeah, our, our handle's Argent Combat. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, we're hoping to really start up, uh, we call it our Taste of Violence course, where folks can like sample different stage combat disciplines. So you can come take a workshop with us to get your feet wet. Um, we're teaching a small sword course. So if you're super into becoming a musketeer, if you want to be Basil Rathbone or Tyrone Bowrell or... Errol Flynn, we're teaching that class uh, starting up in October. We're hoping to add a couple more days because the interest has been super big. Um, and uh, I would really love to teach that workshop on how to die uh, for stage and film and all the gross things behind death and dying. Um, so hope you folks sign up for that too. And uh, yeah, I'll catch you on the flip side. <laughs> all right. Well, that's all we got for today. So in the meantime, in the betweens time, remember great minds think alike, but it is rarely disagree. Cue the music. We out. I'm Tyler. I'm Shorty. I'm Miles. I'm Kara. And we are the Interidiot. has strong language, violence, and other things you probably shouldn't let your children listen to. Please enjoy.